This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. There is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Hi, and welcome to Net Zero Carbon. I'm Tyler Cole, your host, and this is the show at FreightWaves where we discuss all things insights around sustainability and freight and logistics. And today I'm joined by Aaron Terrazas of Convoy. Aaron, how are you doing? Hey, Tyler. It's, it's good to be with you. Glad you're here. We're excited you dropped by. We're going to explore empty miles, EVs, Convoy's impact, and all things around how we're reducing emissions. Um, but first, why don't we kick it off with a, a brief intro. Tell us a little bit about your role at Convoy and what you focus on. Sure. No, I'm happy to. So uh, my title is I'm Director of Economic Research at Convoy. I've, I've been at Convoy just coming up on, on three years. Formally, my, my training's in, in empirical macro. That's that's where I spent my career focusing. Our, our economics and data science groups at Convoy are actually one of the biggest teams uh, at, at Convoy. You know, we, we touch every product, um, every business decision, anything ranging from, from causal inference to market design to analytics and, and forecasting. Uh, and I think the reality is all of us, you know, regardless of what we focus on in our day to day, sustainability is part of it. Re- reducing the carbon footprint of freight is threaded through everything we do um, across product, across engineering and across data science. It's in our mission um, you know, to, to deliver freight with endless capacity and, and zero waste. Um, and you know, it is one of those top level company objectives that every team uh, is held accountable to. Very nice and an exciting role and title. And I, I have to be honest, I love interviewing Convoy. I love the business model. I love the mission. Uh, when I was a broker, that was one of our you know, go-to tools was using backhauls and empty miles as a way to position yourself beneficially to customers because you're accomplishing so many goals at the same time. But seeing it done with new technology in ways that we couldn't do a decade and a half ago is just exciting to me. So I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we get to dive into this topic. Um, why don't we talk about this report? So this report was released a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving, I think. And it was an interesting white paper because it's taking a, a juxtaposition of two really promising technologies for reducing emissions and freight, right? We've got electric vehicles that are all about hype cycle right now, tons of pledges and investments coming out from governments and corporates around how we're going to electrify everything, which is clearly a path forward for reducing emissions. But we also always have to call people back to optimizing and reducing waste and improving efficiency in reducing inefficiencies. And that's what the Empty Miles pledge and campaign is all about. And I look forward to having an update on that campaign you guys are running here on a later episode. But so this report dives into the comparison between those two. What, you know, what was interesting to you about putting these two different um, solutions together and trying to dive into them? You know, I, I think often in the face of these big, massive challenges, things like reducing the carbon footprint of, of freight, the instinct is always to look for for big moonshot solutions. You know, those are important. Those always have to be important. We always have to be making those investments. 
But the big risk in focusing just on those big moonshots is that you overlook the more immediate, more available, more actionable, and, and more achievable things that that you can do. You know, I, I think this is um, you know when we think about the the trade off or or the dual track focus on electric vehicles and electrification and re- increasing productivity, reducing empty miles. It has to be an and, not not an or. Electric vehicles, you know, are are now and are, will continue to be more and more of an important part of how we move toward a less carbon intensive future for freight. But the reality is, as we've all seen over increasingly over the past couple of years, Mother Nature's timeline is, is much more urgent, um, you know, and reducing empty miles is, um, you know, a way that we can get some of those impacts sooner, um, you know, and, and kind of when we need them to land. So what the, the research paper did and the analysis did is it looked, looked out over the next uh, 20 to 30 years, uh, what was the impact of increased uh, route optimization and, and effectively reducing empty miles in the industry to a reasonable threshold? What are the near-term and long-term carbon savings associated with, with that versus carbon savings uh, from electric uh, vehicles? And you know, I think it's actually quite intuitive that in the near-term, but really the near-term can be quite a long time, roughly here through 2034, um, kind of uh, route optimization and empty mile reduction will have a larger impact on on reducing uh, carbon emissions in the freight industry relative to to electric vehicles. Um, That's assuming some pretty conservative um, kind of uh, a pathway for electric vehicle adoption. Um, That said, you know, um, you know, in the longer term, beyond the the mid 2030s, electric vehicles are are the biggest sector, but the 2030s are a long time away. Um, you know, at this point, even just, you know, a year or two ago feels a long time away. Man, it doesn't feel a long time away to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I know to you either, and it's easy for us to, um, you know, minimize how quickly that time goes. But in yeah. technology cycles, especially, it's it's a blink of an eye when we're talking about turning over a new leaf. Okay. Um, I love that approach, though, because I agree with you. It's completely both and it's a yes to everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've dealt with this a lot in a previous life in, in carbon markets, right? There's lots of discussions around where is the best use of the dollar today? And why are we spending it on this and not that? There's issues over permanence and efficacy and additionality. And, and that loses sight of we need all approaches, all hands right now. So we just have to try and spread the love as best we can and raise attention on what we can fix today and keep working on iterating and improving into the future. So I agree with you that I, I do think the report is conservative on EV adoption. And that's a good thing because even if we do get a high penetration of EV adoption, it still takes energy to power those trucks. We still want to be hyper-efficient and reduce waste and empty miles, even in a fully autonomous electric future, right? Yep. I think it's important that we we recognize the environmental aspects and and impacts from that, but maybe talk a little bit about what you guys found in the report of the economic impact from reducing those empty miles sooner rather than later. Oh, absolutely. You know, at the root of it, empty miles are expensive. I, I think there's been a lot of focus and attention on empty miles, you know, over the past few years as all of us become more and more aware of the carbon footprint of freight as this issue becomes more and more salient to all of us. But it's easy to forget that the original industry push to reduce empty miles really started back in the 1970s after the, the oil crisis. That was when you, you first start to see those words pop up in the freight industry and, and empty miles, is the, that's the first time it appeared. Um, oil prices are, once again, kind of very high and 
and every mile that that a trucker runs empty right now, much more so than a year ago, um, is is dollars out of their pocket that they have to make up somewhere else. And of course, you know, you, you see that that they make that up somewhere else and that kind of uh, more remote, kind of less accessible markets, markets that have less dense uh, backhaul opportunities. You know, there's a premium there, um, and that premium kind of increases uh, with with fuel prices. Um, so, you know, that's that's just kind of one part of the economic impact. You know, there are obviously a whole host of other, you know, downstream economic impacts of um, reducing carbon emissions. Kind of, you know, there are all sorts of longer term studies that that link carbon emissions to extreme weather and and um, agricultural output and economic disruptions and physical damages to, to capital goods. You know, I think just this year we're seeing how, you know, the the severe Western drought was associated with with lower Christmas tree production and higher, um, you know, Christmas tree prices. I think that's something that we're all all starting to see kind of just right now. And you know, that's something that that started a year ago in, in weather patterns. Kind of is is being felt now. I saw an IMF study recently that that linked um, kind of La Nina weather events and droughts to higher commodity price inflation. And you know, again, that's something that we're we're seeing in 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 our in our sticker in our sticker shock right now. One hundred percent. You know, we saw that my prior role joining freight waves was with a biofuels trading company. And so you're talking about the systems linkage between ag, oil, international trade, weather, and the volatility that that introduces just gets heightened by increased, you know, extreme weather events. So knowing that transportation is such a huge component of global emissions, it's definitely a worthy cause to focus and spend time on this. And and we're glad, I'm glad personally that Convoy's devoting a team of research scientists to try and tackle this issue. Um, I want to talk a little bit about or hone in maybe on the empty miles trade-off and cost equation from a shipper perspective. Because when I was a broker, the opportunity was, hey, I can find a low-cost backhaul carrier and I can provide a savings and earn additional revenue, additional lane business from my shippers by partnering with the carrier who's running empty in that lane. And 50 years ago, when you're talking about you know post-oil crisis when this was a real problem, we were even in that that deregulated environment. And think about the cost structure and the bureauc- bureaucratic ownership administrative headaches that were un- unbundled from the true freight movements following deregulation and all the just dispersion of value in the freight ecosystem in the 80s and 90s. And now you get to couple that free economy with really, really advanced analytics and data coverage to try and just squeeze every last drop of efficiency out of the system. Um, Where do we see shippers finding the largest advantage today? And maybe talk about Convoy's automated reloads, because I think that's really where this goes. It's by by coupling that visibility with more of a network, you can squeeze more juice out of that lemon, right? Isn't that the idea? Exactly. No, I think kind of you raised such a good point that back when this issue first came to prominence in the 70s, kind of filling those backhauls was so difficult. You know, finding that match for your particular lane, your particular time was really kind of a needle in the haystack exercise. It's, it is so much more possible today um, kind of with distributed networks and, and kind of um, these kind of much bigger matchmaking systems. Um, so, you know, technology has it kind of made uh, push the production frontier outward in a way that it, it didn't in it wasn't available in the 1970s. You know, the reality is, given the freight market volatility that we've seen over the past year, really, I mean, over the past four or five years at this point, uh, you know, I, I think there's been a lot of interest from 
from some shippers to, to build their private fleets to the extent that they can to try to get as much of their freight under control. And, you know, that, you know, part of building a private fleet means filling kind of that, that fleet when, when you're not using it. And so, you know, one of the things that, that Convoy has, is doing is, is making sure that our network is available to, to shippers who have um, private fleets. Um, they can use it, you know, try to try to fill the gaps in their schedule. We can work with them. They can try to do it on their own. Um, but, um, you know, all of these these pools of capacity are out there as as shippers try to take control of their their freight networks in a in a rocky um, kind of volatile period, and you know that that creates um, waste. But you know now we have the tools to to address that waste, and we need those tools to continue to scale. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, tell me yeah. a little bit, all our listeners, about the journey for Convoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, really over the last you've been there three years. So, yep. where are you guys at from a you know digital brokerage revenue perspective and where do you see that going? Maybe you'll have kind of into your targets that you may or may not be able to say, maybe it's percentages or whatever you want to say, but give us mm-hmm. a feel for how Convoys started to scale that solution. Yeah. I mean, I'd say that the, you know, so as I said, kind of, I've been a Convoy about three years. And so about half that time has been pre-pandemic and about half that time has been kind of pandemic era now. And um, the pandemic has really kind of opened up a whole host of opportunities. I, I think, you know, we were accustomed to freight market volatility before the pandemic. There was kind of the, the U.S.-China trade war. Um, there was kind of the, 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 the tax bill and the impacts on consumer spending and, and capital investment. So the market had been volatile before, but obviously the degree of volatility we, we've seen since March uh, 2020 is just on a whole different different magnitude and different scale. And, and the reality is, I think the, the volatility of the past year and a half has proven the um, the need and the the robustness of of kind of a digital network. Um, everyone now is talking about more automation. Um, you know, even more so over the past couple weeks, months with with labor shortages, not just labor shortages in trucking, but labor shortages in warehouse work and um, and kind of um, you know uh, kind of route uh, route planning and and kind of all the back end roles that that uh, many of our our companies rely on. So you know, automation, you know has proven to be a, a robust solution over the course of the pandemic. And I think it's going to be more and more investment in that space, um, you know, as we um, have this national conversation about labor shortages and labor availability. Totally agree. Totally agree. Let's switch gears a little bit and go go down the EV side of this report. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the assumptions made around adoption um, in the report and kind of why you guys built it in such a way as to evaluate it? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, you know, we we started with the assumption that EVs as of this year, as of 2021, are about uh, 2% of, of new heavy truck sales. Um, and, you know, they will grow to about 30%, uh, you know, between uh, 2025 and 2030, I think. Um, that's that's the assumption. These are not necessarily our kind of assumptions. These are assumptions that were formed by, by Guidehouse Insights, which is kind of a, a research group. Um, and and so you know we we recognize that um, there are other other folks out there that know more about electric vehicles and electric vehicle adoption that, than we do. We took their again as we talked about before conservative assumptions and, and built them in to comparing the, the the carbon savings associated with those. And I, I would note that um, you know uh, we, we were pretty generous in, in assuming the carbon savings associated with EVs in that we assumed that they you know that it, that is clean electricity, um, which not all electricity is. 
Um, so, um, so you know, in, in some ways, kind of that that was a little bit of a, a generous assumption um, toward EVs. I think that's probably fair, though, and that's that's good to understand that. Guidehouse, great organization. I, I trust most of the work that they're producing. And I think when we think about the current landscape of heavy-duty EV trucks, you know, it's clearly weighted toward the left coast. Um, down, you've got that West Coast Collective now that's got, by and large, I think everybody's approved a, a clean truck standard that's going to take place, you know, 2035 or 2040. 100% of new sales of heavy-duty equipment has to be zero-emission vehicle. Now, Maybe we debate whether that's which technology wins that war, you know, if it's hydrogen or EV or RNG or whatever that is. But I do think um, couple that with the clean fuel standards or the clean energy standards in those states that should be cleaning the grid simultaneously by that time. It's, it seems like all of those assumptions you guys make are completely viable and within within kind of common sense ranges. That's, that's nice to have it validated. Thank you. <laughs> Common sense might be generous because I don't know that we're all as a, as a freight industry that thinking <laughs> down those same paths. But um, that actually brings up a good point for me. I, I do think the biggest hurdle for EV adoption today, obviously, range anxiety and then upfront costs of capital. When we start thinking about emission savings from a shipper perspective, we all know supply chain is about trade-offs, right? We're, we're trying to pro- provide the proper service level to our customer while val- balancing inventory costs, holding costs, freight costs. For this total landed solution. Empty miles, a lot of times are not borne by the shipper from a cost perspective, because we're not internalizing their share of those emissions, right? When I think about other countries that might have more progressive regulations around taxing transport coming up in a few years, um, I think we start to see carbon become part of that total landed cost and supply chain, uh, maybe not for a decade here in the U.S., but I have to imagine, and maybe you put on your economist hat here, you know, if I told you, all right, every ton of carbon now costs a floor price of 60 euros, 75 bucks, you know, what does that do to a freight network uh, like Convoy when you start right now to add that cost to shippers? Yeah, I mean, so first, um, I think kind of shippers are paying part of, of the, the cost of empty miles in, in to the extent that, um, you know, that that cost the direct cost to carriers and efficiency is is passed along but you're right that's not the the externality environmental cost of carbon um and um you know to the extent that you know the, the reality is if when um kind of a lot of speculation about what kind of uh regulations will go in on the taxes um i think because it will be a um very likely kind of a tax on vehicle mi- miles travel the costs cost carriers on on fuel consumption all of the research on um, gas taxes suggests that they are are fully passed along to, to end consumers kind of there is no burden sharing um you know between producers and consumers so um you know obviously there's all sorts of complications if you start to see state level regulations state acting in different ways which is part of the big debate about the the west coast collective is that it, it does kind of create um incentives to to locate or operate in different cost structures to property in different places. Very true. Very true. And the consumer always pays. And it is important that when we think about optimizing various parts of a very, very complex system, um, we've got to be willing to understand those trade-offs that are involved, right? Always trade-offs. Econ- economics is about trade-offs and markets are about trade-offs. <laughs> we've got the right guy on the show when we're going to talk about sustainability freight trade-offs. I love it. Um, 
tell me a little bit about some of the responses you guys have. You guys had people reach out as a result of this report to start evaluating more. I mean, hopefully it's a good marketing opportunity for Convoy to grow the network. But what are what are some of the feedbacks you guys have gotten once releasing this? No, I, in general, I think the feedback has been positive. Uh, you know, folks kind of recognize and I, I think anyone, you know, you talk to who's, um, you know, reasonably informed in, in the freight industry recognizes that it has to be both of these solutions. Um, the larger fleets are definitely experimenting with uh, electric vehicles, but there are, you know, so many um, barriers to, to mass adoption at, at this point. Uh, a lot of the owner operators that, 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 that we work with have a lot of um, reluctance, particularly about electric vehicles. They don't have the luxury of being able to, to tailor a vehicle to a particular route or, or a, you know, a particular um, area. So that, you know, I, I think that's something that we need to keep in mind um, and perhaps, you know, where, you know, we're, we're always conscious of doing in that, you know, um, given the current state of the technology, electric vehicles are very much an option for, for some types of loads, some types of carriers, but you have to have the capital to invest in, in a niche product for, for a niche use case. Agreed. Agreed. One thing I really love about Convoy, though, is that you guys can't address kind of that gamut. Right. You have tools and solutions available for the long tail of carriers who may not be capitalized or resourced enough to be able to go out and implement those technologies today. But you can also still plug into the capitalized carriers and provide additional capacity solutions or load solutions to optimize their networks if they're sophisticated enough to take advantage of it. And yeah, and the reality is we've worked with all types of carriers. I, I think kind of, you know, obviously kind of owner operators and independent small carriers are a big part of our um, our user base, but you know, we work with large carriers as well. Definitely. This has been so fun. I could geek out on this stuff for hours and hours and hours. I do think it's relevant that we try and try and wrap it with a focus on the shipper because that's who we're all trying to serve at the end of the day. What are the primary lessons and takeaways from this? If, if a shipper read this report, what's the one thing they want to get out of it? I mean, I think the, the, the primary lesson is, is to be asking about it. You know, we talked about the, those two tracks and how it's an and both kind of situation. Um, you know, do both. Ask your, your carrier base about what are they doing um, what are their plans for adoption of electric vehicles? What kind of timelines? What kind of areas are, are they available to service with electric vehicles? Also ask about kind of strategies for reducing empty miles. Kind of what what um, what are they what data are they able to bring and and what are the plans to to reduce empty miles? So again, ask 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 your carrier base about both. If you can get data data reporting, that's always icing on the cake. Um, you know stuff that you can pass along to to your internal stakeholders. Um, but no harm asking. Totally agree. We're all about intellectual curiosity and staying informed because this is a rapidly changing environment that we're all working in. And uh, we're trying to bring as many people along for the ride as we can. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, I really, really appreciate your time. This has been fun, informative. Mm -hmm. We'll have to have you back on early next year because I want to know exactly how many empty miles Convoy is tackling <laughs> a campaign and what we can do to reduce it. So yeah. thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. It's great to, great to chat with you.